0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Welcome into another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I am Bennett Conlin, joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. And we, uh, we got a big one this week, right? It's, it's Bison Week.
2: It is Bison Week. I think we've all been um, waiting for this. Since 2019, the national championship, this is the game we all circle every year. As you see Frank in the background, as he's sniffing the boxes. Um, this is the game we circle every year. We try to figure out when we'll match up with them in the in the playoffs. We always hope it's the national championship. But it's the semifinal, and it kind of has the feeling, no offense to South Dakota State, no offense to Montana State, kind of has the feel that this might be the de facto national championship game like it was in 2016.
1: I think the... Uh... I'm a little worried about South Dakota State if Jamie gets to that point. We can talk about so, that later. I. I think South Dakota State's a really good team. But uh, North Dakota State's a beast, right? And it's in the Fargo Dome, where I feel like if the South Dakota State, whatever, whoever you play in the national title, it's a neutral site. Uh, yeah, so huge game. We had Jeff Kolpak join us. He works at a, the newspaper. I think it's the Forum Newspapers, I believe what it is, or at least Forum. Uh, the website is inforum.com, so I think the paper is the Forum. Um, we had Jeff on to talk a little bit uh, I really liked our, our previous two beat writers. Thought they gave us some really good insights for southeastern Louisiana and Montana. I think Jeff might be my favorite interview we had though of the three. Yeah, no offense to the other two. No shade at them, Jeff. I, I think it, there's just so much
2: more that that comes with North Dakota State. No offense to Montana. Mm-hmm. No offense to southeastern Louisiana. But like the SEC says, it just means
1: more. They're just, they care so much. Like, I think that's kind of what it comes down to and why Montana was interesting. But like Southeast Louisiana, I I didn't see a lot of people necessarily like chirping us or talking other than the occasional person who wanted us to say SLU instead of SELA. That was like the only thing. Yeah. Um, Montana, I didn't see a lot. I think, I know some people were getting all up in arms about what might've been like message board comments or something, but I don't read message boards and I like haven't visited some of those Facebook pages in a while. So it's gotta be like, you know, a lot of coverage or things like that. North Dakota State, they got like multiple beat writers and things like that that are kind of more well-known within the FCS because their team's always playing for national championship. So, like, there's just a lot of information on the Bison. A lot of people are talking about it. Passionate fan base, a team that beats FBS teams. There's just a lot to be interested in with this matchup.
2: And before we dive any further, we have to say – BetOnline, we're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the rest of the NBA season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. You can also find FCS playoff betting lines on BetOnline because it remains your number one spot for all basketball, football, and FCS action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and you can receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code BELIEVE. 50 to receive your bonus that's believe 50 b l e a 0 i almost said f 0 5-0. believe 50 from basketball football nhl boxing ufc your favorite vegas casino games don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for the 2021 season bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports bet online where the game starts and speaking of where the game starts i think we should just jump right into a little bit of the north dakota state and i guess we can sprinkle in some some takeaways from the montana game we did a twitter space right after the montana game we're going to do that again hopefully uh for this north dakota state game friday night or once it ends 15 minutes after it ends we'll we'll get the twitter space going we'll talk about our instant reactions things of that sort so i think we can focus more on north dakota state tonight
1: yeah, I think we kind of covered a little bit of Montana. I also, no offense to that game or Montana. Like I think JMU fans are almost past it, like very, very quickly, where it's like, all right, we got the big one coming up. I think if the game was closer, maybe it would have been more interesting. I, not, I don't think so. I think I think JMU fans They just don't care. Well, it just North Dakota
2: State. Like if this game was South Dakota State or Montana, like if we were on the other side of the bracket and we just beat Montana and then we're playing a team we don't yeah, have this fair. history with, um, I think we're focusing on it more, but I think it was just from a fan perspective, you're just thinking, get through this game, and then we can take on the team that we're one and three against.
1: Yeah, it was also kind of a like a little bit of a snoozer, but I think the stuff that that stands out to me from that kind of going into this one, uh, the defense looked really good. Cole Johnson yep. was efficient again, and they actually got Latrell Palmer going, which I feel yeah, like is, career high, baby. The minimum. I, I think that was kind of important <laughs> to get him going a little bit and have a running game. They don't need to like run for necessarily 200 plus yards against North Dakota State but if you can get you know four yards of carry or something and it's first and 10 you make it second and six um, maybe you break one or two that can really change the game because my guess is North Dakota State's gonna be pretty keyed in on the pass
2: yeah I, I think that's the, the key you don't need 200 yards but you don't even need four yards per carry I think you just need some sort of rushing ability to keep them honest to keep them from Taking out everyone and playing a nickel, playing five, six defensive backs. Because once they start doing that, then you know if their front four can slow down Latrell Palmer and company in the backfield, it's going to be a long day for Cole Johnson. But if they can kind of keep them honest, keep them, keep them a couple guys in the box, then Cole will. I mean, if you can have one on one coverage with Wells or Thornton, or even Bracey, who had a couple good catches, or even Reggie Brown, um, who's shown up with some big touchdown catches in the last few weeks if you can get one-on-one coverage with them, I think you are golden in this game.
1: Yeah. I think anytime you can get the one-on-one matchups, it's kind of an advantage JMU on the outside. Uh, I think they probably have better athletes. I don't think that's crazy to say.
2: No, because Jeff even talked about that. He said, Mm -hmm. there's no one really that, especially how there was Trey Lance in 2019, who could take on the athletes on the defense. There is no one like that this year. So I don't think you're, you're it's outlandish to say that.
1: No. And I think like, against montana like devin ravenel had that long touchdown reception like he looked way faster than like montana's star dbs and star safety the coach's son and you're looking at rabbit (laughs) ravenel that
2: shade that shade you just (laughs) threw at the coach's son
1: (laughs) well he's their best safety he's one of their best best players and he kind of looked outmatched on that play ravenel blew by them all and ravenel is what like the Fourth or fifth option. I mean, when he's healthy, he's a really good receiver. But again, like he's not numbers that like you know that even Van Horst is doing. Especially not that that Antoine Wells or Chris Thornton are doing. Like he's a fourth or fifth option, and he looked like a world beater on that play. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, but like, was Montana just overrated, or was like, jamie You look really good. It's hard to make much of like beating Southeastern and Louisiana at home is a different beast than winning in the Fargo Dome.
2: I think in terms of the Montana game, and, and maybe you, you kind of feel differently about it, I think JMU's just a better team than 99% of the FCS. Like, Montana's not a bad team. JMU also just matched up really well against them. If JMU didn't really have a passing attack and they just had to rush it again and again and again, I know Luttrell popped off for a lot of yards, mm-hmm. but I think that's a closer game if JMU was like a rush-first team. Sorry, there's just like, a noise out my window, and it scared me, and I didn't know what it was. I thought something was coming through my window. Um, but, yeah, so I think just Jamie matches up really well. You don't face a lot of FCS teams that have number one receivers on the ends, and one of them is a potential NFL prospect.
1: I think that's fair. Yeah, I mean, like, they're really athletic compared to a lot of teams, which has kind of stood out the last couple of games. They're playing well. Cole Johnson is really efficient. So you're saying JMU better than 99% of the FCS. Do you think that includes North Dakota State?
2: I think North Dakota State's going to be the closest they've been in terms of everything considered. I think JMU a better team than – I should probably say 100% of the FCS because right now I don't see another team that's better than them in this bracket left. Are there better teams? Maybe, but I think from an athlete perspective from each position, I think JMU is one of the most, if not the most talented team left. Yeah. Including I mean, like, North Dakota State. North Dakota State is a great team with a great coaching staff. Um they struggle to throw the ball. They play like it's 1921. But I mean that's been working for them and they've been winning games. But from a talent perspective, Jamie's better.
1: I kind of like this matchup too. And you had mentioned, and maybe I'm way too arrogant. And I'm also keeping in mind that like the Fargo Dome's a different beast. I don't like,
2: wait, I don't think you can be too arrogant. I just went and said that Jamie's the best team in the FCS. <laughs>
1: Well, and, like, who's the other uh, – so, they played Montana. And it was a similar matchup, right? So, they had that going for them. But you got the Fargo Dome. You got the fact that, like, I thought JMU was better in 2017. I thought JMU was better in 2019. But Trey Lance was kind of the equalizer in 2019. And then in 2017, there were some, like, costly turnovers and some areas where JMU has been too conservative. So, I mean, I guess my major concerns in this game um, – is like the atmosphere and that JMU doesn't – like they play too conservatively. Those are my concerns. It's not really on the field, if that makes sense.
2: No, I get that 100%. You're worried that if it's in a crucial fourth down with five minutes left, is Signetti going to punt the ball and rely on his defense to get the ball back with 30 seconds left type of thing?
1: That, or even more so, like, in the first half. But right? I think 20 – I think it was 2017, Jamie, you had a chance to, like, maybe run one more play and try to score a touchdown before he half.
2: Houston
1: kicked a field goal, and they were down, what, like, 17-6. Then they outscored them, like, 7-0 in the second half or something. But I just – and then they had some key drops, things like that. I just – I don't know. I worry that they'll be, like, overly conservative. They'll be punting the ball, and maybe they should go for it, or they'll kick red zone field goals, and that'll be their, their downfall. I just – Like, I think JMU has better athletes. I think JMU is a better team. North Dakota State's lack of passing attack, and Cam Miller has been reasonably efficient since they sort of used him as the starting quarterback, and they have Quincy Patterson come in uh, for some running plays and things like that, the Virginia Tech transfer. I I don't know. Like, if you don't have an elite passing attack, you're going to try to beat JMU and, like, their defensive line and linebackers by slamming the ball up the gut a lot. That just doesn't seem like it'll work for four quarters
2: yeah I agree one hundred percent, like the, the fact that North Dakota State doesn't have not even an elite offensive attack, but they're just not dynamic they're kind of like how the Buffalo Bills decide to never hand the ball off, and Josh Allen is their leading rusher like they they willfully become one dimensional like on their own, based off of play calling. North Dakota state's kind of the same thing in my eyes they they willfully become. One dimensional in terms of we're just going to run this ball and you're not going to beat us. And, you know, for a large percentage of the FCS that works because they're bigger. They're probably faster. They're stronger than every other team they faced. This is the best defensive line bar none best entire defense bar none that North Dakota State has faced all year. Probably the best rushing attack JMU has faced all year. So it is going to be really fun to watch it happen in the trenches. I think there will be drives where it's a quick three and out and they went negative yards. But I also think there's going to be drives where North Dakota State just continues to pound for four, or five, four, or five yards and drive down the field that way. And I think it's going to be a really fun game in that. But, but like you said, I don't think there will be enough offensive firepower, fireworks, dynamic play calling for North Dakota State to win this game
1: yeah, in North Dakota State, they average two hundred and eighty rushing yards per game. Their offense is not bad. like they average seven yards per play. They just don't throw it much, and they haven't like kind of like you had mentioned. like there's not a lot of defenses like jmUs um and on the flip side, obviously, there aren't a lot of defenses like North Dakota states, but it's your stats like for the season average, I don't think they're necessarily the best way to to analyze this game because like if North Dakota State runs for two hundred and eighty yards, i don't think it's gonna be a challenge for them to do that, I think. And while also getting, you know, 150 plus passing yards, I don't know if they're going to get 450 yards of offense or whatever. So they're going up against a really good James Madison defense. It's just, I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like a great matchup for North Dakota state. But they also seem to just, just like find to wait, find ways to win better than any team in the league.
2: Yeah, I agree. We have a question from Jeff Carpenter on Twitter. Um, how will JMU plan to handle snaps where Quincy Patterson is in at QB do you think they'll put a spy on him, or just all out play the run and not even worry about the pass? Quincy Patterson, like you mentioned, the Virginia Tech transfer that they bring in for running plays.
1: Yes. So let me stall quick, quickly here and try to find the exact stat. But Quincy Patterson, they've essentially used him only as a runner recently. So it's it's more of like a true wildcat, whereas like Trey Lance really could have done both in that national championship game. Recently, they just haven't. Yeah. So. Quincy Patterson hasn't thrown a pass since October 23rd, right? So I, would, <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't necessarily – Now, I think he might have been banged up at some point in there um, if I'm yeah, not Jake mistaken. you mentioned that, I think. But they've used him more the last, so the last two games, the two playoff games. He has 13 carries for over 100 yards and a touchdown. So they have used him a little bit to run the ball, but he has not thrown a pass. In um, the last game he threw passes, it was October 23rd against Missouri State. He was five of sixteen for seventy-seven yards and interception, no touchdowns. That's so, a Cam
2: Newton stat line.
1: Yeah, so his last, his last, what is it, his last five games when he was kind of used as a starting quarterback, his completion percentage was below sixty percent in every game. He had a couple games in there with some interceptions, but he was a really good runner. So for him, I don't know that you necessarily need to spy him. I think you can't. You have to be aware of the pass, right? Just like any wildcat formation, you can't not play the pass because then they can run like a. Kind of a trick play out of it and get a bunch of yards. But yeah, I don't know that you need to spy him. I would just play it mostly like a run and have your your secondaries or whatever and man to man and hopefully stick with their guy. But I'm not overly concerned about North Dakota State at the quarterback position, to be honest with you. I agree.
2: Neither one of them jump off the page. They're not, they're no Cole Kelly.
1: <laughs> they're no Cole Kelly. Um, they just rely so much on running, like you were saying, where they just don't have that dynamic quarterback where Trey Lance Easton stick Carson Wentz are all like NFL talents and we have
2: another question on Twitter but just a point I want to get to I think if Jamie you can get out to a quick lead like get up 7-0 through the first quarter and I know that's not like a huge lead but I feel like points might be hard to come by in this game so Jamie who jumps out to a 7-0 lead after the first quarter you know 14-3 after at halftime or something like that I don't see North Dakota State being able to like run a quick offense to come back.
1: Yeah, it's a great point. I think if if JMU is within 14 points, like at halftime, I won't be worried. Yeah. I think JMU is way better built for a comeback than North Dakota State. If JMU gets up like 14 at halftime, kind of like what they did with Montana, Montana in that game, we mentioned this on the Twitter space, they're running like a four-minute running offense late in the game because that was the only way they could drive and score, where if you can get North Dakota State in obvious passing situations – the advantage definitely flips to JMU for a couple of reasons, right? You've got the pass rush, which is really good. And you've got a secondary that we've kind of questioned at times this year. They're making a lot of plays right now.
2: <laughs> That's I'm really glad you brought that up because the secondary, yeah, I've been a harsh critic on them. It seems like all season calling them opportunistic. They give up a lot of big plays. A lot of big plays haven't been taken against them, but they've been there. You know, in the playoffs, they've, they've shut down opponents. Um, the linebackers are coming up huge in the passing game. Diamante, Tucker, Dorsey is balling out. I mean, Greg Ross had some fantastic PBUs against um, Montana. Uh, Taurus Carroll had some great plays. Yeah, overall, that secondary is really coming into their own. They find their niche. And um, it was a really big boost to have Wayne Davis back in the second half. Also a huge, huge break to not have Sam Kidd get ejected for the first half of this game, even though that was clearly a targeting.
1: He's been really good in the box, too. So, like, having Sam Kidd for the full game – in the box against a team that likes to run it feels pretty valuable so
2: and if i'm not mistaken then they also also q reed and mj hampton aren't
1: injured they're just they've been coming back now so i think they're they're getting yeah. more snaps Looks like q reed's been working in a little more like the secondary is healthy they got a lot of guys yeah. they're playing pretty well the defensive lines crushing people and what we kind of talked about it before where they do you know the five defensive backs and things like that they go four D linemen and the two linebackers when you have a and Tucker Dorsey as your two linebackers, and they're both getting, like, 10-plus tackles a game.
2: And, like, like interceptions. and
1: Everything is working exactly like you would want the defense to have it working going into this game. And North Dakota State, they
2: run that rush offense, rush-heavy offense, I should say. They're going to beat you in the trenches. They play big. They play strong. And it it kind of – they play in North Dakota style of football, but they play in a dome. So we have a question from Tyler Reskovac. He is the um, head of the NYC alumni chapter, the Dukes nice. alumni chapter. If you live up there, uh, check out the watch party at Stout. Um, I want to say it's in Gramercy Park, somewhere around there, but it's fantastic watch party. So check that out. But he asked, do you think having zero weather impact will hurt NDSU with JMU having Wells and Thornton? So do you think the dome will be, a, will be better for JMU? In terms of the on the field product. I'm granted we can talk about the fans and that that atmosphere, because that also will play an impact. That'll have an impact. But just from an on-the-field perspective, I think the dome will favor JMU. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think the fans are are obviously an important part of it where it's going to be a little intimidating. Communication could be tough. When you've got a team that can fly, (laughs) oh my God, put me in a dome all day. Like I love, I love that. Whereas like in years past, uh, the Frisco game. Some of that, where you know Trey Lance ran all over the Frisco game. It was icy. Yeah, it was icy and like kind of slippery and like that's that's not what I love for JMU. Even though they played pretty well, but it was it was not ideal. I think the dome with really you know there's no weather in the dome. Obviously, that's that's what a dome is. Really so to have <laughs> to have perfect conditions for a team that wants to throw the ball to two guys who are really, really fast, that sounds great. Like, I love that. And they hit some deep chunk plays and had some big runs um, in that 2016 game in the Dome. So, yeah, I'm kind of actually really excited to see them play in a Dome rather than having to kind of, you know, battle through some of the 40-some degree cold weather in Bridgeforth, even though they seem to pass the ball fine in that weather.
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be really fun to watch. It, it, the fact they're on a turf in a Dome, no weather – it's going to be negative 10 outside. It's going to be like a balmy 70 inside, like absolutely fantastic. That, that's so good for JMU. And it, this brings me back to an, another point. This is a, a broad, broad look at football. I don't understand why cold weather teams like that pick to choose and pick to play in a dome. Like you have such a home field advantage.
1: I don't know all the logistics for North Dakota state's reason for having the dome, but yes, I, I kind of agree with you as a Detroit Lions fan. I think the Lions might improve as a franchise if they leaned into like being one of those cold weather teams and being tough and all that good stuff. But don't think they're tearing down Ford Field anytime soon. But the, the other family owns them. <laughs> the other thing that's interesting um, with the weather, and we don't need to get into it a lot, but like Ethan is a very reliable kicker, and you take out the variable of wind or yes, the elements. Yeah. Feels pretty good, too. Unless, of course, the
2: one side of the Fargo Dome just all blow really that's, hard. Then you that's a get
1: great point. point. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that'll that'll help. Like, Harry O'Kelly's a good kicker. They seem to have pretty good special teams unit. You know, JMU has a special teams edge in a bunch of different categories. The uh, official account tweeted that out in a graphic, basically saying that North Dakota State wasn't good at special teams. Um, so that's an interesting element there that could be an advantage. I'm having... Not a hard time seeing JMU losing. I could certainly see them losing. Um, I think JMU's better and I think JMU should win.
2: Yeah, and the fact that from like a betting perspective, just to bring in some some yeah. betting talk, because of course the fact you can get JMU at probably around plus four and a half, it's looking like. So probably like what plus one fifty?
1: Yeah, it was like that this morning. I think it's probably got a chance to move toward JMU and people when we start
2: betting on him when when all our big money starts coming in our five (laughs) dollar bets are really going to move the line
1: but yeah i have a hard time i don't know i guess i think some of jmu's play earlier this year where they weren't clicking on all cylinders kind of affects some of the analytics that that like the bookmakers have and maybe like sp plus for espn those sort of things whereas i think jmu the last four or five weeks or so has been just unbelievably good in all three phases and some of that is just getting healthy right like there was a stretch there where the offense wasn't great and uh Antoine Wells was dealing with like a bum ankle
2: yeah I mean the fact that he's fully healthy and, st- and that's just been such a I, I can't form my thoughts right here JMU's dip in offensive production coincided perfectly with Antoine Wells' bum ankle and his re- his rehab his his coming back to be a hundred percent has now coincided with their explosion in offense kind of last three, four weeks. So, I mean, he's he's the key piece. He's what makes it go. It's not their running backs. As, as good as Chris Thornton is, it's not Chris Thornton. That offense is Colt Johnson and Antoine Wells, and everyone else feeds off of that. So it's huge to have him healthy.
1: I'm just so excited to see how they match up in a game that, like, they could legitimately lose. Because I know there was a thought, like, all right, like Montana might clip them. Like, you never know. But then you watched a little bit of that game, and, like, by halftime it was like, were better. all right, This game's absolutely over. So I think that's why I'm most excited for this is, Jack, I just want more opportunities for JMU teams to lose. That's why I'm excited about the FBS move. That Like, like I'm serious. I like it. It makes the games fun because you go into it and you're like, I actually care. And we talked about that with Jeff, but it's like it's just fun when the game is like a pick-em. Like, that was why the softball run was fun because, like, I thought they were going to lose to Oklahoma and they won. That's why I had a lot of fun when Jamie men's basketball played UVA. Kind of thought they were gonna lose and they won. Like that kind of thing is fun. So like this one, when it's like, hey, I have no idea what's gonna happen, but if they win, it's gonna be really exciting and give us like three more weeks of football talk. That's really fun. Yeah. So I'm I'm excited for a game that matters. So you brought up Jeff. We're gonna bring
2: him on right now. We're gonna talk a little bit about him, about this game, what he sees, you know, the matchup offensively, defensively, and even the coaching staff and, and even the fan interaction with it all. It's an absolutely fantastic talk with Jeff. Um, but before we get there, a quick word from another one of our sponsors, Lightbox. Say goodbye to Dull Gifts. Lightbox lab grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. This is a really fun ad. If you need a diamonds, listen up. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of Sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find. At a light price, $800 per carat. I don't know if that's a light price or not. I've never bought a diamond before. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but are just grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones in blush pink and beautiful blue, as well as classic white. Light box lab-grown diamonds are the gift. They'll never want to take off priced, so they won't have to. They really do make any outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox Diamonds, never a dull moment.
1: That was really good. Well, now welcome in Jeff Kolpak. He is a North Dakota State beat writer. He has a lot of knowledge on the bison. Uh, You can find his work at inform.com. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us.
2: Well, thanks for having me. How are you guys doing out east? I hope it's nicer than it is here. <laughs> pretty warm, actually, where I'm at. So I'm, I'm having myself a pretty nice day.
1: <laughs> I think we do have, yeah, at least in Virginia, there's like unseasonably warm December temperatures. So uh, it's it's certainly been pretty nice over here. Uh, I guess for starters, can you take uh, our listeners through maybe how long you've covered the bison and, and sort of, I guess, a more detailed look of where they can find your work this week, whether it's on Twitter or or a website or anything like that?
0: Yeah, I guess I've been around forever, as they say, as you young and say forever. Um, I've been covering NDSU since 95, the football beat part of it anyway. And so that obviously has been a lot of uh, national titles and playoff runs. And, and uh, you know, I'm just going to start off the bat. I'm a little pissed off at you guys for leaving FCS. Because... Uh, <laughs> You know, there's really uh, everybody's bailing ship, and there's nowhere for NDSU to go because you know we're located close to Winnipeg more than anywhere else. And so I'm a little bitter at you guys for leaving. Let's just put <laughs> that out there right now.
2: That's very fair. That's very fair. What? Also, Sam Houston's leaving and a few other programs. So I understand. Yeah, those two.
0: Yeah, those two are. I mean, they're decent. They're going to struggle in FBS mightily. I think I've been to. Huntsville on a couple of occasions was there last spring. They got a long way to go before they're FBS worthy. You guys do not. So a natural move for James Madison, you know, especially where, where you're at. A lot of jealousy up here, seriously. A lot of jealousy with uh, NDSU fans looking at GMU going, God, those sons of bitches are leaving and, and leaving us here. So
1: Yeah, the whole process is fascinating too, especially with, you know, you got the financials and all that and location like you were kind of mentioning. Because obviously on the field, North Dakota State absolutely has a team that could compete at the FBS level, so I'm, I can understand some of that that bitterness and jealousy. And um, what is their record against FBS teams? Where they won like seven in a row or something like yeah, that? Yeah,
0: nine and three against FBS. Nobody will play them anymore. Although they right. play at Arizona next year, and I I think they're going to be favored over Arizona. I really do. <laughs> well, Arizona's terrible this year unless they really hit the portal hard and strike it rich. But yeah. um, you know, and, and the facilities too. You know, JMU has mm-hmm. facilities. They're building a $50 million indoor facility here that's um, just got off the ground. And it was gonna be in two phases. It was gonna be a 35 million first phase and then 15 for the second phase. And last week, one guy stepped up, one guy and said, okay, here's 15 million, do it all in one phase. So if that doesn't say FBS, I don't know what it (laughs) is.
1: Wow, that's awesome. I was kind of interested with this year's team, too, because we've, you know, had those interactions with North Dakota State fans and, and North Dakota State teams as, you know, JMU fans. Um, and the past few years, I think at least me personally, I've been sort of terrified of the Bison at the quarterback position. Uh, this yeah. year, it seems maybe a little less terrifying. What can you tell us about the, the quarterback options the Bison trot out there?
0: Yeah, I mean, they don't have a top two or three NFL draft pick. And I'm not talking about picks, not rounds here. Uh, no, they're certainly not that guy now. And um, it, it really shocked him when Trey Lance left after two years. You know, he's a redshirt freshman when he left. And that really stuck him behind the eight ball as far as our timeline. Because, no, I mean, nobody leaves early in FCS, especially quarterback. That's unheard of. So they thought they were set up for next three years after this. And then I think COVID hit and it caused a lot of NFL teams. They had so much time. There was nothing going on. But all of a sudden these teams started taking a harder look at Trey Lance and what he did as a redshirt freshman. And you, I guess you guys saw that at the end in, the, in 2019. And, and they started taking a look at him and, and, and that's really how that started. I I think without the pandemic, maybe Trey Lance is still here. It's just a guess. Because there's, you know, NFL teams are busier. They had nothing going on. All they could do is evaluate. I mean, there was you know nobody playing really. And and so um, so that stuck NDSU behind the eight ball as far as their their projected timeline on a quarterback. You try to recruit the dude every two, three years, you know. So um last spring didn't work. Zeb Nolan was a that was a transfer and just didn't have a very good year. Uh, and the starter, and then they got Quincy Patterson in from Virginia Tech. Uh, Let him off to a 7-0 and start, got hurt, but he just had trouble being that complete West Coast quarterback. And I think he struggled at some parts of the passing game. Cam Miller, who started at the end of the spring, came in, and it's really been pretty good. But, um, you know, is he Trey Lance, Carson Wentz? Absolutely not. And I see you're smiling, too. So there's...
1: Uh, <laughs> The, the Trey Lance game was tough for JMU fans where I like, think everyone was just screaming for them to hopefully use a quarterback spy as he, you know, ran 50 plus yards and what felt like every play, but he was uh yeah, he's a special athlete,
2: not even a QB spy. We just wanted to contain at some point instead of, you know, yeah. just blindly rushing up and I won't, I won't even get started on.
0: Well, they didn't really run him all year and, and it kind of saved him from that role. Right. And he'd never run 30 times. Like, <laughs> geez, I bet in the previous eight games, he ran 30 times, maybe and they just unleashed him against JMU. And he was really the only athlete at NDSU had an offense that could uh, do something destructive to JMU's athletes on defense.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and he certainly destroyed them. Jack, you got anything that, that comes to mind, question-wise?
2: Well, so just following from afar, from, you know, Virginia, looking at the stats every game, watching what we can, it seems like North Dakota State is a run heavy kind of like that type of team like they are almost every year they're gonna line up and they're gonna beat you in the trenches um but but kind of like you said in 2019 Trey Lance was really the only guy that could beat JMU's athletes on the defensive end do you think there's a guy on North Dakota State's roster this year that can give them a run for their money or is it just kind of kind of have to be a uh you know a group effort
0: no there's no there's they don't have that NFL dude uh their one guy Christian Watson is a receiver and and he's got some NFL mention and NFL speed, but he's been hurt. Nobody knows if he's going to play. I'm guessing he's not. He's had a hamstring issue, and he's already going to play in a postseason all-star game, so I don't know. You know, there's, I guess there's a, uh, there's a balance there. Do you, do you risk your NFL future if you're hurt? I don't know if you do these days. You know, look at all the, look at all the bowl game guys opting out and, and going for the NFL draft. That's just the way it is these days. And, so I don't know if Christian's going to play. Six five, and, and he's the one guy that could really hurt a team. Yeah. But other than that, it's 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 one collective balanced effort.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And I know defensively, North Dakota State's always a really solid program. And I was looking through the two deep, and you look at the starters, and it's senior after senior after senior. They're really good in the red zone, which is where Jamie has had some problems offensively. I think Kurt Signetti joked recently about you know, trying to have these long touchdown drives. So, Jamie, you wouldn't even have to get into the red zone and and worry about those red zone woes. What can you tell us about North Dakota State's defense that seems like it's just another, I guess, in the long line of really good ones?
0: Yeah, I mean, when you look at all those senior, 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 I I think that's a big part of that is guys just don't leave. You know, there's not a lot of portal happenings in this program, and guys are, for whatever reason, and it's hard to – Get kids like to do this these days, but they'll stay around two, three years before they get their shot. That's hard to do. A lot of guys, if they don't get their shot in one or two years, are out of it. I mean, Twitter is full of portal guys, you know, all day. And so far, I'm, I'm guessing some few guys from NDSU will go into the portal just because maybe they're not good enough to play at this level. But, um, other if, but kids who have a shot down the line at playing and they know who they are. Uh, they just generally don't leave. So you you end up having a lot of older players, you know, who have put in their time. And I think that's the case here that, you know, it's interesting as I look at the defensive roster, there's a lot of guys coming back and using their COVID year next year. You know, you thought that would happen this year, but they're, uh, you know, they'll be pretty salty next year. They'll be better next year defensively. And they're already historically lows in points per game given up. So, you know, it's, so, uh, you know, if the Mountain West doesn't come calling soon, <laughs> going to be
2: – it could be another year like this next year. So, we, I mean, all the talk kind of coming into the game is between the lines, but I, it, it came up a lot in the national championship game in 2019, the coaching matchup of it. Matt Entz went for it. Was it a fake field goal at one point? He kind of has that aggressive nature on fourth down. What makes that coaching staff so good, so dynamic?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I guess it's simple, but you got to have players. But you know, they pay—I think they pay better than most FCS schools. That's a difference. Um, I know they've gotten assistance even from Northern Iowa to come up here because they just pay a lot better. And and it's as simple as that. It's you know, it's a good program. It's put kids in NFL. They you know, I think they treat them right, so um, um, yeah. I, 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 you know, can how do you be aggressive? Well, if you have to, have, if you have good athletes, you can be aggressive. I mean, it's pretty simple. And and the fake field goal was a guy named James Hendricks who was an incredible all around athlete. And he came here as a quarterback and ended up being one of the best safeties I ever had and the smartest kid ever. So yeah, if you have a James Hendricks, you can do that. <laughs> if you have a Jimmy Shimtree, you probably can't do that.
1: I was interested too. You mentioned the the fan base and some of that maybe bitterness or jealousy of what JMU is doing. Is there an extra edge? I know between these two fan bases, there always seems to be a pretty good, I guess, intensity going into the game week. Is there a little extra wanting to kind of stick it to JMU as as the Duke sort of move on to quote unquote greener pastures?
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't really sense that. I mean, there's a little playoff rivalry certainly, but. Um, it's nothing like facing Northern Iowa. Bison don't like Northern Iowa. They, South Dakota State's kind of even rubbed in the wrong way lately too. And, um, so I don't, I, I think this game is more about, uh, finally a great matchup in the playoffs because East Tennessee State guys didn't really push the needle, man. Nope. <laughs> you know, like, who are these guys? You know? And then they played Southern Illinois in the first round. It's like, oh, great. Another Valley team. Who cares? So mm-hmm. this is finally like a real uh, heavyweight matchup in the way the playoffs should be, you know, like remember back in the old days, like Georgia Southern and, and Delaware and New Hampshire, and, you know, all these pretty notable programs would come in here, Wofford. And, and that was a lot of fun. And it's not fun when you're going in 27 point favorites like they were last week. Yeah. So this is fun. I mean, this is a toss. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think that's kind of how we feel about it. It's it's nice to have this one, Jamie, opened with southeastern Louisiana. I think a lot of people were were kind of rolling their eyes. And then Montana was a little bit exciting, but it turned out to not be much of a, a contest. I think this one looks like Jamie will probably be an underdog on the road in the Fargo Dome. I think Jamie fans are pretty stoked for that that chance.
0: Yeah, again, I, I think uh, it's, a, it's a total toss-up game. I don't know what the line is right now, but I look at um, – you know, when you have a quarterback coming in with 39 touchdowns and two interceptions, it's incredible. Yeah, The CA is down this year, though. I mean, I, th- I thought it was down. Bison played two of those teams, Towson and Albany, and they just weren't that good. I was kind of surprised.
2: Yeah, those are also, I mean, two of the – I mean, Albany with the undercuffler, the great undercuffler, they've been down the last couple of years. And yeah. Towson, Towson was weird, too, because they started bad. They won, like, four games in a row, looked kind of good – and then they just weren't good. But, yeah, it was a down year overall for the CAA.
0: You know, where NDSU does have the advantage is we stole your best reporter, Logan Campbell. Yeah. yeah. Works for our company. So, um, take
1: that. Yeah. The Logan, <laughs> it's the Logan Campbell game for sure.
0: She's been she's been uh, very torn on how to pick this game. A lot of pressure.
2: <laughs> That's a lot of
1: pressure. We're gonna and keep an eye people. on
2: that. We're, we'll we'll be sure to uh, if she picks the wrong way, we'll be sure to blast her on Twitter. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Go for it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and Jack, I guess do we want to? We do ask Jeff if you want to. I know some beat reporters don't. If you wanted to to share a prediction, you're welcome to. Or if you'd rather kind of pull the the Kirk Herb street on game day with the game he's calling and give us keys <laughs> to the game, you're more than welcome to do that. If you no, no
0: I, I'm an open book. um So we we have five people that. That pick it on a weekly basis in our special section, and I'll say this: I'll share this. Uh, it's three to two in favor of JMU. So, um, wow. I'm, I'm 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 taking the home team in this case, and I'm picking a score of 17-13 because it feels like similarly to that one national title game yeah. where it's going to be a defensive battle. Um, you know, and in close games like this, uh, home 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 field advantage is a big deal, and yeah. um, I think you got to be seven points better. Than, than your opponent in in a in a dome atmosphere like this, and I think JMU is maybe three points better, and, and the home field is a difference.
1: That sounds reasonable to me. Yeah, I think the bet
0: your uh, bet your house on it. Put the <laughs> <laughs>
1: I Love that. I think the the dome. I'm pretty fascinated to see how they handle that because Cole Johnson, you mentioned, he's been great this year with the 39 touchdowns and two interceptions, but obviously haven't played in an environment. Nearly as challenging as the Fargo dump. So. I don't know,
2: man. New Hampshire, Durham's a little different. That New Hampshire, uh, <laughs> <Was there> two hundred <laughs> people Delaware, there. Or what? No, what? That, <laughs> Delaware, the the those CAA schools know how to bring
1: it. Sometimes we'll see. Uh, we'll see how they react to not having a track around the football field. That could be tough for Jamie to, to get. <laughs> yeah, that's Sam
0: Houston's problem. Here's a team going <laughs> FBS with a track around
2: its
1: field. Can't a deal breaker. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. Well, Jeff, thanks so much for for joining us. If you want to give one quick plug here at the end, again, where people can can find your work this week, I know Jamie fans love consuming uh, content. Of the other beat reporters, especially on a big week like this.
0: Yeah, sure. We're all at inform. i n f o r u m dot com. It's the forum newspaper in Fargo, but inform dot is our web address. And um, yeah, Get, look us up. You guys coming up?
1: We are not. We'll be watching okay. it. Watching it from the uh, our, our TVs here in the comfort of the South, I suppose.
0: <laughs> well, I was gonna offer you of free beer, but I guess not now. So. <laughs> next time. All
1: right. If there is a next time, if yeah. Exactly. North Dakota State.
2: Yeah.
0: Hopefully, yeah, Get out of here, you bastards.
2: I'm tired. Of you. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully, that FBS. Hopefully, JMU will schedule North Dakota State like in the first couple of years. Yeah, well,
0: they're never gonna schedule them. No, no way.
2: They won't.
1: Oh, yeah. I'd be terrified I'm happy to join the group of FBS teams afraid of North Dakota State <laughs>
0: they'll schedule Long Island or somebody for in the FCS community.
1: exactly <laughs> awesome well Jeff thanks so much for joining us and uh, so far the uh, the opposing beat writers are 0 for 2 on picks. so we'll we'll see how that goes we'll see if you can break the streak
0: well yeah I'm, I'm not that great so it's probably 0 for 3 so
1: alright good to see you guys <laughs> thank you. See you
2: have a good one Thank you so much to Jeff Kolpak for coming on, talking with us. Um, I really liked his prediction. I, do, I don't agree with it, but I liked it. Um, fantastic conversation with him. What's your prediction for this game? Let, let's talk about predictions.
1: It's a good question. Thank um, you. That's
2: why I asked it.
1: I'll say JMU 24 to 21. I'll say Racky hits one at the end late to give him a win. I, think, I do think JMU is better. Um, I also think the Fargo Dome is going to be tough. I think that North Dakota State, like, there's this idea from JMU fans that, like, nobody can run on the Dukes. Don't totally agree with that. Like, I think North Dakota State's going to get theirs at times. Yeah. Um, so I'll say 24 21 and what I think should be a really fun game. Wouldn't be surprised if it went either way, but I, I do think JMU um, kind of deserves the edge here. The way they've been playing in the passing attack, I think, is going to really stress out the Bison.
2: Yeah, that's a, I really like that prediction. I do kind of what I was saying earlier. I think there'll be drives where JMU gets theirs against North Dakota state's rushing attack, but there's going to be drives where North Dakota state gets the ball moving. And I think they'll probably finish with around 175 to 200 rush yards, not necessarily a lot of yards per carry, but they're just going to rush it so much. And there's going to be times where they're bust a 10 yard one. And, and then just kind of get the yards going that way with that being said, I think they score 17. I think Jamie, I like your 24. I think Jamie scores 24. Um, I just don't see North Dakota State's offense putting up a lot of points. I don't see them scoring three touchdowns.
1: I think in the past you had talked about Jamie winning by multiple scores. Are you falling off this? Oh, you mean, okay.
2: So I'll go bold. I'll go <laughs> all the way bold. I think Jamie wins 35 17.
1: <laughs> oh, I guess. Here's what I will say I don't think that's outlandish.
2: Neither do I I, I think <laughs> if they I, can,
1: I think if they can settle into the atmosphere yeah, and hit was, some plays yes. like in we've talked in the past about like a couple of turnovers sort of making the other team have a chance to beat JMU if JMU can get a couple big plays like they might have a chance to punch them in the face yeah because
2: um, it was in the Montana game where early on in that game the offense wasn't doing much and it was what like a 52-yard bomb to Antoine Wells it was a 98-yard it wasn't 98 yards, but it was a huge run from Latrell, And it was just two big, huge chunk plays. And the, and the uh, announcers at one point were like, well, if they just didn't have those chunk plays, then this game's a lot closer than it was. And it's like, well, yeah, no, dub." But that's what Jamie's offense does, right? They do really good at creating chunk plays and capitalizing on chunk plays. So I th- there might be a point in this game where Jamie's total offense is like 200 yards and 75 of that, or maybe even 100 yards of that probably a hundred yards or more of that would be from like two or three chunk plays. Okay.
1: okay, so I want you to do me a favor here. Okay. I'm, I'm gonna roll through North Dakota State's schedule and I want you to you tell me when they played a good team.
2: Okay. This All- is what we should do let's do this with J and next, just so we can like really illustrate how like ske- strength of schedule is a stupid metric. Go ahead. All right, All
1: right. yes or no, good team. All but okay. no. Uh, the undercuffler no I'm kidding. No. Valparaiso. No. Towson. No. North Dakota no northern iowa no illinois state
2: funny because you and i made it into uh the playoffs illinois state
1: no missouri state no indiana state no south dakota Supermores. south dakota south dakota state yes youngstown state no south dakota i don't think so were they good I think they're okay. There's okay. a couple here. There's a couple here that like Missouri State's okay. Northern Iowa okay. North Dakota was okay. Then they played Southern Illinois and East Tennessee. They're like Good, bad. East Tennessee. No offense to the Bucks.
2: Great what they did against Kennesaw State. They did not deserve one to be seeded over Kennesaw State and two to win that game. I'm just saying they haven't like. Now, do, now I'm gonna do JMU
1: Moorhead State. Obviously not Maine. No Weber. Weaver's the same level as, like, in northern Iowa. New Hampshire. No. Villanova. Villanova's a good football team.
2: Wait, so South Dakota State was their one loss, right? Yep. Which is hilarious because both of the teams that JMU played this season that were good are their one losses. Richmond.
1: Richmond's not good without Mancuso.
2: Correct. Uh, Delaware, not good without Nolan Henderson.
1: That was the point, too, that we didn't really get to in our talk with Jeff. Um, But he talked about the CA having a down year. The CAA has a much better season of Mancuso and Henderson stay healthy.
2: One hundred percent, because I think they're both playoff teams, and then all of a sudden like, you're looking at four playoff teams
1: with two with four of them arguably as like threats to make the semis or at least quarters. Yeah, Elon. Uh, no, Campbell. No, William and Mary. I don't think William Mary or, or Towson are very good. Thank you, <laughs> thank you for finishing that out for me. And then, like, the same thing is, like, I don't think Siegel is good, but I would argue that Montana is the best win that either team has.
2: Yes. I'm trying to think. Yeah, probably.
1: I don't even know if that's – looking at their schedule, I don't even know if it's debatable. I think –
2: I, I was North- thinking in my head that they they beat that North Dakota State beat South Dakota State, then I quickly remember no, that's their loss, and so Montana's easily the best win when you put both of these schedules together because North Dakota State had a Mickey Mouse run to the semis at this point.
1: It's just yeah, I mean they haven't really. I don't know. I just they're really when did, good. When did you, when did uh, North Dakota State play South Dakota State? It was either October, or November. It was on. Uh... Yeah, early November. So they played on the road on November 6th. Okay, so this is the
2: first real team, no offense to those other teams, that Norfolk, that Norfolk State, wow, that North Dakota State played. But this is the first real team they've played since, what, November 6th, you said?
1: By far the biggest test, yeah. I, I, don't I, think know. It's,
2: I think it helps that Jamie played Montana last week because I know Montana wasn't all that we had built it to and everything like that. But, I mean, that was a good team. That's a top five team in the FCS.
1: I just think Jamie is playing so well right now, and I know going on the road is definitely a different beast, and it takes him some time in some of these games to kind of get into it. But over four quarters, it just seems really hard to stop Wells and Thornton. Like, if the Bison can do it, good for them, and I think I'll pick them to win the national title. Like if they do that and they get a rematch with South Dakota state in a couple of weeks to scheme it up, kind of like that matchup for them. Um, I guess kind of like you're saying, I'll probably end up picking whatever here. So maybe it is isn't de facto although I, uh, I might pick South Dakota state over JMU, but um, I don't know. I just, I like the matchup for JMU. I'm fairly, very, very confident going into this. Um, I don't want to say I wouldn't care if they lost, but at the same time I'm so excited about the rest of basketball season. Um, and then like the Sunbelt future that like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be that devastated. If
2: Jamie got blown out, I'd be pissed. But if it was like a (laughs) close, like field goal game or something, like a good game that these teams have historically had the last three times they've matched up, I would be excited. I mean, that's what a way to go out, you know?
1: Exactly. And
2: it would be better to go out with a national championship. But
1: I think they got a shot to do it, man. I like Jamie's chances in this game. I think they have enough speed and talent. I don't know. I just, I just, I'm bullish on them right now.
2: I like it. I love it. And would you know who else we're bullish on? Mark Bindon. Men's basketball and Mark Bindon. Perfect segue into that. They just took down Radford 79 to 70. Here's the stat of the night. They outscored the Highlanders 50 to 29 in the second half. Just an absolute dominating second half for JMU to take down in state foe by nine points. I didn't really catch a lot of this game. I was following along on Twitter, but it seemed like – I mean, they were down 41-29 at half, so down 12 at half, and then just roared back to take the lead and just kind of destroy Radford in the second half.
1: Shot really well in the second half. They're still kind of struggling from the free throw line, um, but the team in general, very excited about them, kind of excited about some of the guys who are starting to work in a little more. Uh, Tyree Ihenacho, the North Dakota transfer, I think he's a stud. He had seven points in this game, five assists, three steals uh, and, he and he didn't turn the ball over. So like, love that for him. He's playing well. Uh, they're just, I think, I think they're a decent team. Like they're reasonably competent. They have a high floor and I think they're going to get there offensively. And the rest of the schedule is not frightening. I think there are some really some maybe underrated teams in conference this year. So yeah. they'll probably take a couple of losses here or there, but I don't know, really happy with the way they're playing.
2: You know what I love about this team? So many guys can score and they're not. So early on in the season, I was worried that Morse would kind of be like one, like the number one option and just jack up 20 shots a game and, and be their focal point on offense. The last couple of games, they've done a great job, especially Morse with facilitating, with moving the ball and getting a lot of guys open looks, open shots, and what they had three, four guys score in double figures, another, and then everyone else, then another one, two, three, four, score seven or more points. And then Terrence Edwards had two points. So, I mean, just fantastic all around performance by the offense. And then defensively, this is the best JMU team I've ever seen on defense. Granted my sample is only dating back to 2015, but still.
1: They now have um, three separate three-game winning streaks or longer against Division One teams under Byington. Uh, they what had a qualifier.
2: One, what a qualifier.
1: They had <laughs> one of those under row. Just one time when they won three consecutive games against Division One teams. And now they've done it three times in Mark Byington's two seasons. They won seven in a row at one point last year. Uh, they've won four consecutive games now, three against D1. One of those was Virginia. So, like, I'm, I'm really happy with how this team and program is progressing. Um, also, we kind of talked a lot about how they didn't have big guys, right? And against Radford, Amadi and Alonzo Soule combined to go six of eight from the floor for 19 points, and they grabbed 16 rebounds. That's fantastic. Yeah. I, I, think, I think I was talking
2: to our friend Dom. About this team, Uh, yeah, there's no height on this team, but they have crazy length at every single position, and I think that's what's showing up now. That teams aren't used to playing against guards who have six, seven wingspans.
1: Yeah, there is some really good length on this team. It seems to be kind of actually helping them now. And I also just think Byington is like very aware of where his team needs to get better and also how to get better in those areas. Like, I think that's the
2: key. I think that's the key. Knows how to get better.
1: He's talked a lot about like, hey, turnovers were an issue at the beginning of the year. They're getting better there. Um, they're still trying to work themselves out in some ways offensively but they just look really good i've been really impressed they play morgan state and penn on december 21st and then the 28th that'll wrap up their non-conference slate then they get into conference play so they have a stretch here it's morgan state which is in baltimore they play penn in philly they play towson um, in maryland and then delaware in delaware and newark delaware or newark whatever the hell it is um, but they do those. So they have those, what is that, four games? And then they play Drexel after that. That's in Philly. So they play five games. I think at the Penn game, Byington was saying today, they're going to go up to like the Philly area and then they'll just stay around there or Delaware or Maryland for all those games and then come back to Harrisonburg after because it's winter break. So I think that'll be interesting to see how they do, just kind of hanging out in that area and focusing on basketball. And he said they'll probably go to some malls and do some, <laughs> do some sightseeing. Wow, some malls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought maybe you would let them, like, go in, like, cool places in Philly, and then he said see the Liberty <laughs> <Bible>. <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> All right. <laughs> I guess if that's what they want to do. Um, but, no, it should be interesting to see how they kind of handle that that road stretch because that's also an area where, like, analytically you pick up some road wins against those teams that, like, Towson and, and Drexel and Delaware are actually kind of reasonably respected in Ken Palm, and you beat them on the road or keep it close, you can really boost your rating. So fun to see how they'll kind of develop through conference play.
2: I agree. Do you want to talk a little bit of, about women's basketball or is that just a mood
1: killer? I do want to talk about women's basketball.
2: Okay, let it out. I'm going to let you let this one out because, um, well, they had a good showing against West Virginia.
1: I'm really high on them now. So they're. Oh my
2: God. Oh my God. They're,
1: they're three and seven. No, you're not. You're and, yes, I am. They've lost five in a row. Okay, not great. So they've had a bunch of like winnable games. Liberty was a winnable game. They lost in overtime. George Washington, winnable game. They lost by four. Villanova, winnable, they end up losing by nine. West Virginia, surprisingly winnable, lost in overtime. So, like, a lot of these games, aside from the UVA game, that they had a chance in, uh, they ended up losing. So I think some of that is like, all right, you'll probably get better down the stretch late in games. The thing that I like, though, is they're going to start going up against teams that are just simply not as good a lot in the conference. So they'll have that going for them. I also just like the way they've continued to fight, like the fact they kept it close against West Virginia was impressive. I think they're going to find a way to get better. I like O'Regan a lot. I listened to his O'Neals today, and they sound pretty confident in what they're doing and how they're trying to improve. Like, they didn't even play that well uh, against West Virginia. They shot like 30-some percent, but they actually made some threes and had that going, still turned it over a ton. Like, there's a long way to go, but they're also, I think, going to have a, a decent time in conference play. And they strike me as a team that they've stayed together enough where I could see them rattling off at some point, like eight in a row in conference play. All
2: right. All right. You made me kind of buy into them a little bit, not totally, but a, a
1: little bit, 172 turnovers they have on the season. Got to see it though. Seven. I will say that got to see it a little more. Like you got to go out and like take some of these games. Yeah. Um. So keeping a close eye on them. Cause I want them to be better. And I think they can be, but it's it's certainly a little bit frustrating for them to be three and seven. Cause I think they're more talented than three and seven.
2: Awesome. Anything else you want to talk about on this episode of the podcast?
1: Final plug for um JMU Sports blog. They are doing the or make sure I have it right. Uh there's like a, it's a Great Plains food bank. So they oh, yeah, have, yeah, yeah. it's on their Twitter page. I think we plugged it, it's pretty easy to find, but um donating to the Great Plains Food Bank which I think covers all of North Dakota and Clay County Minnesota based on their Twitter bio. They got a link on their page you can donate money there. They're kind of doing it. They had done it a little bit last year in the spring for some of the teams Jamie was playing try to donate to something in the area. Uh, I donated a small amount a little bit ago. They're up to about $2500 raised by 71 people um, as of Tuesday evening at 6:07 p.m. By kickoff, I mean, they got a chance, you know, 5,000 or 10,000. Like they have a chance to raise a ton of money. It's awesome. It's the holiday season. Great time to, to give and, and really fun to be able to help out people in another area. Yeah.
2: Awesome plug. Well, for Bennett Conlin, my name is Jack Fitzpatrick. This has been the JMU Sports News Podcast presented by Bent Online. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Dukes play Friday night. Get ready. ESPN 2. See ya.